You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Wilson still tries it, and in she goes. The crowd is really being treated to some thrilling shots again tonight. This is the Sixers History Podcast. Out to Doctor, he's got a crack at it. Three pointer, he got it. Hosted by Pro Hoops History's Curtis Harris. Now, slide back into time, Sixers style, with today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Sixers History Pod with your host, Curtis Harris. And uh, today we're discussing the career of the late Larry Costello, who played for the Philadelphia 76ers, the Syracuse Nationals, and the Philadelphia Warriors. And we're going to discuss Costello's playing career as well as his coaching career with Tim Roy, who is the current radio play-by-play announcer uh, for the Golden State Warriors and has actually held that job now for, I think, 22 years. So uh, Tim's got that down pat. Uh, and he's, he's a great talker, as, as you'll hear in the pod. Uh, and really just really loves basketball history, so I was really happy to get him on for this podcast. Uh, But as Tim will explain in just a moment, uh, he came to know Larry Costello back in the 1980s uh, when Tim was working in Utica, New York, and Costello was the coach of Utica College at that point. So through his time knowing Costello uh, from that point forward, uh, Tim got to know a lot about him, and we'll talk about Larry's career as a player with, uh, as I mentioned, the Nats, Warriors, and 76ers where he was a six-time All-Star during his playing career and uh, was a member of the title team we had here in Philly back in 1967. And then after his playing career was finished, uh, Costello eventually coached in college, but had about a decade-long stint as coach of the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA and took the Bucks from expansion team in 1969 to NBA champions by 1971. So this is a, a great conversation with Tim. Uh, as I said, he, he loves basketball history, really loves Larry Costello. Uh, so he was really pumped to come on and talk about, um, talk about his friend, really, and uh, all that he learned from Costello and uh, help share his career and his uh, accomplishments uh, with you all. So uh, we'll start the podcast off with Tim telling us just how he ran across Costello for the first time back in the 80s, and then it will, we'll just go from there. 
uh, learning more about uh, the career of All-Star, NBA champion, coach, and player, Larry Costello. I had gone to a small school in upstate New York called Utica College. It was a small Division three school. I was much more. I went. I visited Syracuse and Boston University because I wanted to be a sportscaster. So I knew it's what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. And um, so I went up there, and 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 those, you know those schools were way too big for me. So the guy at Syracuse said, "Hey, on your way back home, stop off in Utica and check it out. They got a brand new radio station. It's a smaller school, maybe more your style, and the whole bit." So. Uh, I went there, enjoyed it, got a job at the local radio station when I was uh, at the end of my sophomore year. And right as we started that year, uh, Larry Costello got hired to be the head basketball coach and helped take the program to Division One. The school president was an old friend of Larry's, and uh, he wanted to take the program to Division One, so he called Larry and said, can you help me do this? And Larry said, sure, I got nothing going on. So he came up and, and was the head coach there from 19, well, in Division One, 1981, through 1987, and uh, and so that's how I met him. I did his games and, and broadcast his games on a, a local commercial station, and and uh, you know learned uh, a ton of basketball uh, just listening to him talk and and uh, you know having him point out different things to me. And uh, I learned a lot about offensive basketball. I learned that there's there's a million ways to get somebody a wide open shot, and I learned about how to use you know uh, a play as misdirection. You know how it looks like it's gonna that they want to do one thing, but you end up getting another thing, and and uh, and so uh, he he was a real uh, taskmaster uh, master with his team, but he he really understood offensive basketball in a way that that not many people could, and and I think in a lot of ways, though his record isn't great when he was in college, uh, I think if you saw the talent there and saw what he was able to do in certain games to keep that talent, you know, against a vastly superior opponent in the game. And um, so to, to me, he was remarkable. He was, uh, I think he uh, was a little uh, underrated as a coach because he was a, you know, he was a, he was a tough guy. You know, you, you didn't give him any, any lip or anything like that. He, he was, you know, he was old school and, you know, from his haircut all the way down. <laughs> yep. And, you know, you know, and so, so, uh, you know, he, he, and I, but I think if you go back and I think of a lot of players who played for him in the NBA, I think now with, with their, you know, years and looking back, I think they probably appreciate it more uh, because of the fact that, that he was constantly devising ways to help get them, you know, better shots and to make them a better team. So after recalling uh, Larry's coaching career, uh, I asked him about, you know, what stories did Larry share about his playing days? Uh, got some good stuff, uh, starting with, uh, you know, the, the 67-76ers, uh, Costello's time with the championship team, but also how Larry got into pro basketball and really just some, just some you know, interesting, fun stories from the 50s and 60s. That you're not going to get any more in the NBA because things have changed so much. Uh, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just different different kind of stories, different kind of style. He never initiated it. I had to try to prod him and it might've been, you know, a uh, late night after a game over a uh, frosty malted beverage um, that uh, he might, you know, start. He, if I asked him questions, he would, he more than not, he would answer them. And so when I asked him about that team, 
Uh, he said that Alex Hammond called him and said, hey, I, I want you to come back. I need you to come back. I want a veteran guard for this team. And, and so he, you know, he showed up. And, and Larry was always fanatical about being in shape and about being ready. And, and, and so he was ready to go, even though he had had some injuries throughout his career. And, uh, and, and he said he loved, he loved playing for Alex Hannum because Hannum was kind of like he was. Alex Hannum was a former Marine. And, uh, again, another guy, I think that history doesn't give enough run. I think he, he was an unbelievable coach. If you look at the history of the Warriors, uh, the two Warrior teams that, that got to the finals before 75 were both coached by Alex Hannum. I mean, and it was, you know, they brought him back and they got to the finals. Uh, so anyway, so, uh, uh, Larry started to that team, and I remember uh, one time I asked him, I said, I said, I know you got hurt. Well, what happened? He goes, oh, I tore my Achilles tendon. I go, wow. He goes, but I got back in time for the for the playoffs. He tore his Achilles tendon in the middle of the season and returned for the playoffs. Now, he didn't play a lot, mind you, okay? Probably was nowhere close to being 100%. But when he got hurt, their record was 44 and 4. Yep. Think about that. Forty-four and four. I mean, uh, yeah, that team was loaded, and uh, I think he was proud to be a part of that team. And I think if you had pushed him at the time, he uh, he was proud to, to be on a team that a lot of people for the longest time said was you know the best team, the best individual one-year team to play in the NBA. That's how people looked at it for a long, long time. He uh, he was drafted by the Warriors, and uh, but you know I think I think under some parental pressure he wasn't sure he wanted to be a pro basketball player, so his mom and wanted him to go to some sort of a you know get some sort of a trade or college, so he went to dental school, and he was this is after Niagara, so he's hanging out, and he goes I was going to dental school because but I kept finding myself in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I kept finding myself playing basketball and taking shots and practicing. And, you know, so, you know, finally he called up Eddie Gottlieb because you still want me because the camp had already started. And so Gottlieb said, yeah, sure, get out, get down here. So uh, he reported the Philadelphia Warriors and started his career, ended up being traded to Syracuse, which is why he had such a network of friends up there uh, because he played with the Nationals for a long time. And, and, uh, and I remember Gene Shue telling me once that, you know, the, a lot of times, you know, the, the teams back then in the 50s would travel by train. And so uh, sometimes he goes, occasionally we would be like, you know, waiting for the other team, the home team to get there. And, and Syracuse would play like Fort Wayne or somebody the night before. He said the train would come in and, and the players would get there about five o'clock. And he goes, and, and I, I looked at Larry, he goes one night and here comes Larry. He looks like he's had about two hours sleep and he's, you know, basically dragging his bag of locker room. He goes, oh, I've got this tonight. He goes, as soon as the tip went up, he goes, Larry's running me ragged all over the floor. <laughs> so was that an act? <laughs> did he just look tired? Or, you know, or, you know, did he just turn it on? You know, so, uh, uh, yeah, so he uh, he had a thing. And I remember there was, um, I think this might have been with Syracuse, that he scored, I think, 30 consecutive points without a miss. He had a night where he got really hot, he said, and, and didn't miss and just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. He was always a great foul shooter, so if they fouled him, it was usually two points because I think he led the league two or three times in free throw percentage. 
but one night he just couldn't miss. And he was one of the last guys really to shoot the to shoot the kind of uh, set shot that they shot in the early days. He had that going, but but he was so quick that he could pump fake you on that and get it, get around you. He was always quick. But uh, but yeah, those were. He talked a little bit about the travel and about how you know guys were were you know the game was a lot tougher back then and. You know, he says guys would knock you down. The referee would look at you and say, "Well, get up." <laughs> so, so they had to play a different style of game back then. So, despite all he accomplished, Larry was still a little reticent to have his college players know that he was an NBA All Star. So, Tim talks about why Larry was so uh, hesitant to reveal his All Star status six times. He was an NBA All Star. Uh, then we'll also hear Tim recall some stories from other Hall of Famers discussing uh, what respect they had for Larry as a player. Well, he didn't. He didn't really mention the All Star yeah. Games too much. He, like I said, it was very, really hard to get him to talk about, you know, his days in the NBA. He was. A, he. Um, he really. I, I think. You know, once he got the job there, I think he wanted the players at the college level to really focus in on him as their coach and not as this former NBA guy. I mean, like I said, usually if I got him in a, in a moment where we were alone and there was no, you know, maybe one or two other people around and he would, he would chat with us about that. But, but I, I do know that, uh, you know, when I, when the all-star thing came up, I remember one conversation we had and, you know, one of the guys that was one of the assistant coaches, I didn't know you made the all-star game that, that much. And, and he was, yeah, well, you know, I had a few years where I was, you know, doing it, doing it right. And so, I mean, he was, he was a really steady player. And like I said, he was very quick. He was a tenacious defender and, and a very, very good shooter, but, but he, he could do, you know, a variety of other things. I think he, his uh, numbers on the uh, rebounding and assist, if I remember, and you got the page up there, kind of tailed off and, you know, in, in his latter years. And I think the injuries started to take a little bit of their toll, but, but when he was healthy, he was a pretty solid rebounder and assist guy. And so, to, to me, he was kind of like an all-around player. And yeah. then I, if you go back to his college days, he was a very good college player. And uh, part of this college um, uh, tree, if you will, that a legendary coach named Taps Gallagher started. And coming out of that school at the time were three guys who ended up being NBA and ABA head coaches, uh, Frank Layton. Uh, Larry Costello and Hubie Brown, and um, and I remember uh, you know we won't get to the, the coaching part yet, but but to me I remember talking to Tom Heinsohn about Larry Costello one time on my talk show and when I was working in upstate New York, and he went out of his way to give him praise as far as a talented player. He says people don't know how good that guy was, and he goes, but he said he would you know he would have been a guy that that you know he felt would have fit in on the Celtics because. He would do things that, you know, he could have scored. He goes, he goes 20 a night if he wanted every night, but he would make plays for other guys to try to help the team win. He goes, he was all about trying to not only beat you physically, but beat you in, in, in terms of the game. The respect that Oscar had for Larry was great enough. So Larry called him to come up and speak at his basketball camp in upstate New York. And Oscar came. Now, you know, Oscar doesn't do, you know, a lot, you know, you don't see him on the banquet circuit and he's not doing a lot of that stuff, but, but he flew into, you know, Utica, New York, which is not a very big place and showed up and I'm, I'm sure Larry compensated him, but it couldn't have been that much. 
and and so, but but he came out of respect for Larry and the fact that he played against him and uh, and was coached by him and they won a championship together. That he came up and he you know he did did my talk show. He did the local TV. You know, he spoke to the campers and and you know he was uh, you know he was very uh, respectful of Larry and and, and appreciated him. Well, here at Sixers History, we never miss an opportunity to try to get some Moot Chamberlain stories. And fortunately for us, Larry Costello played with and against Will Chamberlain. So we got some Will Chamberlain stories. Uh, basically, I remember him telling me that Will could do whatever he wanted to do on the floor at almost any given time. He said that, you know, Russell would Russell would give him problems like Russell gave everybody problems. But but uh, for the most part, he said, says Will could do whatever he wanted. And and he pointed to that year where, you know, Wilt led the uh, the league in assists, where he said, look, you know, he went out and said, I'm going to lead the league in assists, and and, and went out and, and and just did it and helped the team because that's what they, you know, they asked, Alex Ham asked him to do that, and, you know, he went out and averaged around eight assists tonight, and, and they became a much better team, and they won. And then he says, Wilt put his mind to do it. And, and when he, you know, when he did that, he says, he was remarkable, and he'd also, uh, he said, Wilt physically could have been a real, you know, nasty guy to a lot of players if he wanted to. He says that he says he saw Wilt get his shot blocked at the rim a couple times by guys. I'm mean, not going to mention names because I think they're still alive. But uh, and then Wilt would go down the floor the other way and said, you know, I let you block that dunk because I would have broken your wrist if I followed through. And so next time, think about that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not yeah. sure that was the exact language. I'm sure it's but, a little more colorful. Uh, yeah, it's a little more colorful than that. But uh, but but he says I I know he did it a couple of times because he didn't want to hurt the guy, you know. And so he let him block a shot, and then but he would let him know that I let you block that shot because I didn't want to break your arm. You're not kind of like, oh okay. <laughs> he said one of the guys. Uh, so well, well, he goes and looks at him. Goes, thanks, big saw. Oh, you won. <laughs> Walked away. He's like, ah. <clears throat> so yeah, he he was really impressed with Wilt and and um, and uh, and like it like uh, like I said, I said he enjoyed playing with him. You know, in the back end of his career, there the last couple of years because he he loved the fact that that uh, Alex Hannum and Wilt had a great understanding and and it just made that team you know as devastating as it was. So as always, here at Sixers History, when we have someone recalling an old friend, an old teammate, an old coach, we like to give that person an opportunity to summarize the influence, the impact, uh, what meaning that person held for them. So here's Tim Roy providing for us his thoughts, his final summary, uh, his final account of Larry Costello, what he meant to him as a player, friend, basketball coach. Well, you know, the, the, uh, the, the one other anecdote I'd love to get in if I can. Yeah, and sure. It is, um, uh, I spoke to Hubie Brown a few years ago uh, when the Warriors were in the finals, and I did an interview with him about the ABA and about, you know, all the great times and, and, and stories they had. And then I finished it with a question about Larry. I said, look, you know, I work with Larry. And, and he went on about, you know, just how, you know, Larry, you know, let him have that job and gave him a chance. He goes, without Larry hiring me in Milwaukee to be his assistant, I would not have the career that I have. You know, it says he, he, he hired me and, and, and entrusted me. And he goes, and I learned so much 
about coaching basketball, about, you know, coaching men, about dealing with, you know, other teams and opposition and scouting. Because we, they were, he said they were one of the first teams to really start filming and looking at film and things like that. And, and, um, and so he said in that way, he was kind of a little bit of a head of the, ahead of the rest of the league. And, uh, and he said, he just, you know, he, it allowed him, him to grow to be the coach that he became. Um, so, so that's one thing that, you know, Larry was also, you know, giving back and, and doing some different, you know, uh, things to help other guys, you know, follow his path. But for Larry, he was a gregacious guy, a tough guy. Um, uh, he was a guy that, that, that was, was hard nosed, but he did have, he did have a, a compassionate side and he was always willing to, uh, to listen to a good story. And, and, and I think personally, and no talking ill of any of the folks that have gotten in the last few years. But I think when you look at his, since it is a basketball hall of fame and not just an NBA hall of fame, I think if you look at his body of work as a college player, as a pro player, as you mentioned, six time all-star and as a coach, even though his coaching career was not long, but he did have, you know, his record with the bucks was unbelievable. And, um, you know, I think I think when you add all that up, I think, and I know he's been nominated in the past, but I think he deserves another look. I think he, you know, if you look at some of the, the criteria that has been used to get some players in there, uh, I think and when you take a look at him as a whole, I think uh, he did a lot for basketball. All right, that concludes another episode of Sixers History, the podcast. I'd like to thank Tim Roy, who is a busy, busy man, for taking time out of his schedule to talk with us uh, about Larry Costello, who is, when you get down to it, one of the best point guards in franchise history. So I'm very appreciative we were able to get someone who knew uh, Larry, was able to speak, speak about him as a player, a coach, and really also as a person, so we can learn as much about him as possible. So thanks to y'all for listening. See you back around here real soon. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.